0: Week 5, Courtyard Worship. Just to review a little bit, last week we opened up with a scripture in Exodus chapter 40, starting in verse 34 that says this, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle, because the cloud has settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Moses completed building this tabernacle that he had gotten instruction for for weeks, to the exact design, to the exact dimensions, to the exact colors, to the exact materials that God had told him to use. And the result, because Moses built something according to God's exact design, was that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. It wasn't that God was just one day decided, I want to I fill the temple and be with the people. God's heart, God's God's uh, motivation, God's desire is to dwell among the people and he wanted to dwell so much that he said, I'm going to give you a design and if you build it according to my design I will fill this whole place up I will be in your midst and you will see my glory you will see me and we see through scripture that they saw the glory of God in in the form of a cloud by the day, in the form of a fire by night we learned last week That in this idea of God giving um, Moses this design of a tabernacle, of a temple, that in 1 Corinthians it says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are that thing. And what we've been talking about is how this this building of the temple in in the book of Exodus is a picture of the temple that we are supposed to be. That that, that, that if we are the thing that 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 holds the presence of God, then we have a certain design that we should be looking like, we have a certain way that we should be. We have a a certain uh, um, way our life should look. And Jesus says, I am the door to that way. The way to get into a place where the presence of God is in every part of you, filling you up, is that you look at me, you fix your eyes on me, you enter in through me, and live according to how I showed you how, how you should live. So we've been studying how the temple looked in Exodus. A temple built according to God's design so much that the glory of God filled it. So, just to give you a little bit of um, a review, the temple was made up of three different areas. First, I'm going to use my stage example again. My knee ain't so bad this week. Y'all okay? First, you have an entrance. It was about 30 feet wide, the scripture says. Seven and a half feet tall. For thousands upon, I don't even know how many uh, 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 Israelites to walk through. It was narrow. Jesus says, I am the door, and narrow is the road to uh, to, to, to the gate, the door. Narrow is the life. Not many will find it. You have to seek it because it's not just, I can come to God any way I want. I can come to any entrance I want. There is one way, and you got to live this way. And if you don't live this way, don't be surprised if you don't get the presence. Amen. (laughs) So you got the entrance. When you go into the entrance, you got the courtyard. Some versions call this the outer court. And then you go through a door from the courtyard into the holy place. Now, the thing that differentiated the courtyard and the holy place, anyone could go into the courtyard. But only certain ones could go into the holy place. Do you remember what those ones were? Priests. Only the priests could come into the holy place. This was the area that they would perform their rituals, do all the things that they needed to do to get ready um, and, and, and kind of represent the people before God. And then after the holy place, there was a third part called the most holy place. Some versions call it the holy of holies. It is where the Ark of the Covenant sat. It's where the mercy seat was. It is where the presence of God stayed. So you had this picture of this temple that you had to enter through it. A, through a, you had to enter through a gate, came into a courtyard, went through a door, got to the holy place, and then went through a, a, another door that was actually called the veil. Jesus tore the veil, and we'll get into that tonight more, and you get to this place where the presence of God is. There is a certain way to the presence of God. Just to give you a little bit more of an accurate depiction, I found a picture of a representation. If you want to throw it up there, Megan, of what the temple actually looked like. Remember, they were traveling, so this was this was a mobile church. I, I told you last week. Setting up at a YMCA is not an original idea. These people had to set up church every day. They had everywhere they traveled. It was tents. If you see, it was there was there was bronze poles and 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 and, and silver linings and and the purple and blue and and red curtain if you see here the gate and you enter in the gate and you have this huge courtyard and then you have these two elements which is what we're going to be talking tonight and then the covered part if you look everyone say the covered part the covered part was the two rooms of the holy place and the most holy place we there so far okay understanding that I want to read the scripture again of Exodus chapter 40. And Megan, if you would, just keep putting that picture up there after I read each scripture so everyone can have a reference. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I think that it's very important to point out something that I never saw until I started reading the scripture. The presence was so great, Moses could not even walk in. Can you imagine a a place where the presence of God is so thick you can't even be in there because it's just so good? Like he's just so there, there's no room for anything else. Now we talked about that last week, but here's what I, I didn't really pay attention to. The glory was so that was so great that Moses could not even walk in. It was the greatest level of glory up until this point in Scripture. There was manifestations of glory. They saw manifestations of the. They saw the cloud. They saw the fire. But at this point, once the glory filled the temple, it was a whole nother level. Everyone shout levels. They were witnessing different levels of glory. Jesus says, I'm going to take the place of the gate, and if you would live your life and build your temple according to my design, you can get to a level of glory that is so thick, there is no room for you left. There's no room for your mind to operate. There's no room for your flesh to get what it wants. There is a level that you can get to. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this. So all of us who have had the veil removed, remember, veil separating the holy place and the most holy place, the presence of God, we can see and we can reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him As we are changed into his glorious image. Some versions read like this. We go from glory to glory. You you do not just walk in and get all of the glory of God in your temple. There are levels. You go from glory to glory. Glory. They were at a level that their temple looked so much like the design of God that there was no room for anything else. Man, how I wish my life was like that. Getting to a place where there was no room left for Kyle. I know some of you would love that. How I respond sometimes, how I come at you sometimes. There's still Kyle in this vessel. But this, they reached a place where there was no room left Glory to glory. And yet, we live a life so many times where we're in this kind of stalemate where we're standing still and nothing's changing in our lives. But let me assure you, if nothing is changing for the good in your life, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, you need to wake up because your life is a never ending process of going from glory to glory. And it's not waiting for God to do it, it's waiting for you to build your temple according to the design that can hold another level of glory. This is good. Glory to glory. The more I die to myself, the more level of glory I'll see in my life. The more I design my life around His design, the more presence I will see. The more I build my finances according to God, the more presence I'll see. The more I build my family according to God's design, the more presence I'll see. The more the things I give my eye to, the the, the more of the presence of God I'll see. I put a post on Facebook this week saying, don't let your ears become someone else's trash can. Because what we'll do is we'll get in our circles and hear people complain, and all of a sudden you are wondering why you had a bad day because you just filled your temple with garbage. Garbage don't belong in the tabernacle. That's why the Bible talks about not gossiping. It's not just the one doing the gossip, it's the ones who are receiving it. There is a design. And he says, the more you live according to my design, the more your temple, throw it up there, the more the temple will be filled with the glory of God. And who is the temple? It's not just curtains anymore, it's who? It's us. (laughs) This is so good. So we talked about last week the entrance to get to that place of getting from glory to glory. And this week we're going to look at the courtyard. So let's read Exodus 27 to look at the design. Verse 9. Then made the courtyard for the tabernacle enclosed with curtains made of finely woven linen. On the south side, make the curtains 150 feet long. They will be held up by 20 posts set securely in 20 bronze bases. Hang the curtains with silver hooks and rings. Make the curtains the same on the north side. 100 feet of curtains held up by 20 posts set securely in bronze bases. Hang the curtains with silver hooks and rings. The curtains on the west end of the courtyard will be 75 feet long, supported by 10 posts set in 10 bases. The east side of the courtyard, the front, will be 75 feet long. Why is the east side the front? Because the Bible tells us we are to look to the sun, look to the east, Look to the rising of the morning star. Amen. The courtyard entrance will be on the east end flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side will be 22 and a half feet long, supported by three posts set in three bases. The curtain on the left side will be 22 and a half feet long, supported by three posts set in three bases. The next few verses talk about the entrance. We talked about that last week. And in verse 19 it says, all the articles used in the rituals of the tabernacle, including the tent pegs used to support the tabernacle and the curtains, must be made of bronze. No, I went through that really fast. It's a lot of detail. I want you to build the courtyard in a certain way. Throw that picture back up. Now, if I'm looking at this, we see that there is a lot of fabric on the outside. There's one entrance, all to get to the place of the presence of God. Now on the outside looking in, you would think that the courtyard is not as important. After all, it's exposed to a lot of things. It's 75 feet wide, 100 feet long. And it was the only part of the temple that was not covered up. It was open to the sky. It received the natural illumination of the sun and the moon. In all the detail of the tabernacle there's only two places that are covered. The holy place and the most holy place. The courtyard that surrounded the presence was exposed to the elements. Where the presence of God sat in the cover place, if hail, if rain came, the ark of the covenant that held the presence of God, it could not be touched. But if hail and rain came, With the courtyard, I bet the curtains will be ripped. I bet they they would look chaotic, look beaten up. All these things. The thing that contained, that surrounded the presence of the living God was exposed to everything that could harm it. Jesus says, I am the door for you to become the temple, inside of you will contain the presence of God. But the presence of God sitting inside of you is surrounded by an earthly body. The presence of God is surrounded by a courtyard. There has to be a container for the presence of God. Throw up 2 Corinthians 5, 4. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. You as the temple have a courtyard. And your courtyard is a body that gets exposed to all the elements of the world. The presence of God might not get beat up, but I don't know about you, but I sure do. I know that God is in me, but when I hear certain things, it makes me sad. When certain situations come against me, it makes me cry. When certain things come, I get depressed. At no point does the presence of God leave. But my courtyard is exposed to everything. It's exposed to wicked people. It's exposed to horrible things in my ears. There's all kind of things that I'm exposed to. So I've got what 2 Corinthians says. It's not that we want to get die. It's that we want to put on our new bodies so these dying things can be swallowed up by life. We are told we have to continually put on new bodies. Why? Because this thing is continually exposed to everything that's not of God. This is good. This is your courtyard. This is the container. And if, if Jesus says, I am the gate, and you are the courtyard, let's read Psalm 104. Enter his gates... With thanksgiving, Jesus, I am thankful for you. But go into His courts with praise. Where are His courts? It ain't eighty-five, eleven Waters Avenue. His courts is you. You are the. Your body is the container that the gate gave you entrance to be able to hold the presence. So when I go into Jesus and say, I'm thankful, Lord, that you saved me, I go into his courts of praise, giving thanks to him and praise his name. Every time when something comes against you, I have to enter that court with praise. When my job comes against me, enter in with praise. When my family comes against me, enter in with praise. When circumstances come, enter in with praise. The way you manage your courtyard is you manage it with praise. Psalm 22, 3, you are wholly enthroned on the praises of Israel. He says, I dwell in your praise. In your praise. Not, not, your, not, not your complaint, not your sighs of, oh, woe is me. He says, I dwell in your praise because I gave you a design. And my design is that I'm the gate, I've got a courtyard. I've got a holy place, and I've got the most holy place. Jesus says, I am the gate, I'm the door, and I'm the veil, and i tore through them all so that you ain't got to go one, two, three. You could simply become the entire thing and house the presence. But in order for the presence to be housed properly, my courtyard has to be managed to the best degree. And I'm sorry, but God does not deserve broken curtains. God doesn't deserve stained embroidery. God does not deserve for any of the outer walls of the whole thing to be down. So before I can start saying, let me plead the blood of Jesus and and let me get get in the presence and I want healing and I want this, you better start managing your courtyard. We gotta manage the container. Is this all right? 1 Thessalonians. 523, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. You are made up of three parts. You're a spirit, you're a soul, and you're a body. If you look to the screen, Your spirit is where you live eternally. Your spirit is you. And your spirit is either going to live eternally eternally in hell or it's going to live eternally in heaven. So if you're saved, your spirit, it's saved. It don't matter how much you sin, if you are truly saved, You're saved. It's your spirit. But then you got a soul. It's your mind, your will, your emotions. Your soul is in the continuing transformation of salvation, going from glory to glory to glory. Your soul is being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's in this continuing process of transformation. But then you've got your body, your earthly vessel. Let me tell you something, everyone. I want every single person in this room to look me in the eyes. This is not you. This is what contains you. You are not defined by what this is. But you honor your vessel that contains who you are. And your body is not saved. And it will not be saved. Oh, geez, that's depressing. (laughs) Revelation tells us we are going to get what? New bodies that will contain... Our spirit and soul. And in that new body, our spirit has always been eternally saved once you come into Jesus. And your soul will be totally transformed into the glorious image of God. So you have no more issues of your mind, your will, and emotions. Because when you seek God, the Bible tells you he will. if you delight in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And that does not mean God gives you what you want. What that means is your desires change. They change from what your body wants and what your untransformed soul wants to what your transforming soul starts to desire because you're becoming like him. We follow? Spirit, soul, and your body. It is the physical structure that contains Everything. That is why we are called to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice because your body is continually exposed and defiled and needs to be sacrificed so that it can properly live. Offer your dying bodies as a sacrifice so that your soul and spirit can continually live in a new one. Because some rain came and the curtains are messed up. And some wind came and the curtains are, 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 have fallen down. Throw that picture back up. Some storms came and the, and, and, and the posts have fallen. But what you do is not say, oh, well, the posts are down. Oh, no, the, cur- the curtains tore. You patch it up. You rebuild it. There are too many of us that live life circumstantially where we feel like something bad has happened, therefore, that's just who we are. But your body is not who you are, and your soul is not who you are. Your spirit is who you are. So, when, when, when trauma comes, I'm going to sacrifice what I'm going through, I'm going to sacrifice my response, I'm going to sacrifice how I feel. Because how I feel is being transformed. How I talk is being transformed. What's affecting me is affecting something containing who I am. So I'm not going to enter in my court with a fallen post or a torn curtain anymore. No, no, no. When something comes against my court, I'm going to enter my court with praise. I am not going to fall victim to the storms. Why are we called to speak to storms? Because they have no business messing with your outer court. (laughs) Kyle, you just don't understand my circumstances. Let me tell you something, honey. We all got circumstances. You just don't know my story. I can tell you what your story is. Your courtyard has been damaged. And because it's been damaged, your soul is responding a certain way. And God says, I want to transform your soul. So, in order for me to transform the spirit and the soul, we got to start looking at your court. You got to enter in with praise. I've got a certain way that I want the surroundings of the temple designed. And I don't want any excuse to ever mess up the design that contains my presence. See, a lot of times what we'll do is we want the presence of God. We want the indwelling presence of God in our life to a degree where there's no room for us. But we'll give all the attention to the Holy Spirit, to our spirit. We'll give all the attention to the soul. While the whole time, everything that we are containing is being affected by all this stuff. I I don't like to give opinions, but I kind of want to give one. Can I give an opinion? We're letting our children being exposed to witchcraft in the form of Disney cartoons. And you wonder why their temples are being messed up? Because their outer court has been torn. And their soul and their spirit, it don't know what to do because the stuff that was never supposed to touch it is getting through. We wonder why this church is not in a place where we walk in and it's just lifting up the name of Jesus. Because I bet half of y'all didn't lift it up on the car right over here because you got 97.3 on or whatever the station is these days. We're listening to all this music thinking God don't care. Stop listening to that bull crap. Yeah, I said it. Oh, gosh, there's kids in the room. (laughs) Sorry. Why, Why does it matter? Your outer temple is being exposed to elements not of God. It's no longer... I'll change that when I get to the place in my spiritual walk where I want to change it. No, idiot. The the reason your soul is not wanting it because you are not repairing your outer court. It's exposed. This this is this is good good stuff. Could it be the reason that you haven't seen the thing in you become a reality as far as walking into the fullness of God is because a thing that has contained it, it has not learned to praise, has not learned to repair, has we have not given te- attention to the thing that contains. And it's not just praising with our mouth, but I would even go to another level by asking you, what are you allowing your courtyard to be exposed to in your day-to-day? Look at Proverbs thirteen twenty. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. It's not that the presence of God left you when you got around dumb people. You let your outer court get exposed to something it should not have gotten exposed to and now you're taking that exposure as your truth. Why is it that Christians always go to non-believers for advice? Because you don't want counsel, you want agreement. Not realizing you are letting your outer court be exposed to something that was never meant to be part of the flipping design. I wasn't gonna do this, but I'm going to now. It's not on the scripture, but I'm just gonna read an entire chapter of Proverbs. Is that okay? Maybe not the whole thing, but Proverbs 14. A mocker seeks wisdom and never finds it. Knowledge comes easily to those with understanding. Stay away from fools. For you won't find knowledge on their lips. I'm going to tell you what a fool is. Fools are people who are not living by the moral compass that God has put on our hearts in this word. Fools are people who care more about religion than relationships. Ignorant people. The prudent understand where they're going, but fools deceive themselves. Fools make fun of guilt, but the godly acknowledge it and seek reconciliation. When you have something come against you, do you just allow your court to be exposed and you deal with this thing as laughter? Or do you confront it and seek reconciliation? When you're offended, do you just let it pass by? or do you seek reconciliation if you truly understand that you're connected in the body to the person that offended you? Is is this okay? (laughs) Hmm. Backsliders get what they deserve. Good people receive their reward. (laughs) Only simpletons believe everything they're told. The prudent carefully consider their steps. Short-tempered people do foolish things. Schemers are hated. There's just so much good stuff in this. Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. If you think that talking about your problems is going to somehow bring you profit, you have just allowed your temple to be exposed to a false reality. I was listening to a preacher today and he said something amazing. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above. God, I need a million dollars. You know what his gift is? We want the blessing of a million dollars. God says, says, okay, here's a job. Because you can talk about you want all you want. But my gift is your ability to work because I designed you to work six and rest one, not talk for seven. Am I I, I, I talking to anybody tonight? It's a specific design. And this thing gets exposed to everything. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, is given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. It's time to start taking this courtyard seriously. Don't pay attention to the cues tonight, okay? I'm gonna go a little longer. I'm just gonna finish this message. Is that okay? Can y'all give me like an extra 10 minutes? Is that is all right? Okay. When God gave Moses the design for this tabernacle, it was a pattern of worship. And it started with one thing. The reason Israel wanted to come to the tabernacle because they had an awareness of their sin. They were separated from God. And they knew that they had to confront the thing that caused separation from them and their father. So they had to make their way to God, and it was through a tabernacle. So when they approached the tabernacle, they would come to the walls of the courtyard, and the walls of the courtyard, if you remember in the text we read, they were made of white linen. It is no coincidence that that same white linen that separated the people from the presence is the same thing used to wrap Jesus when he came off the cross. The surrounding, the courtyard, separated the people from the presence. And Jesus says, I'm going to get on the cross. When he's wrapped in white linen, it is a symbolic thing saying, I'm going to become the separation that you're never going to have to experience. I'm going to be separated from his presence for three days. So that I could rise again and you would never be separated. They would come to the white linen walls. They would walk in through the entrance. When they got to the entrance, they would enter the gates with thanksgiving and the courts with praise. Throw that picture back up, Megan. Megan. And then they would come to something in the courtyard. You see the big square? They would come to this thing called the brazen altar. The brazen altar. B-R-A-Z-E-N. Brazen altar. And this altar is described in Exodus 27. Look at verse 1. Using acacia wood, construct a square altar seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, four and a half feet high. Make horns for each of its corners so that the horns and the altar are all one piece. Overlay the altar with bronze. Make ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat forks, fire pans, all of bronze. Why? Because earlier it said everything in the courtyard had to be made of bronze. Make a bronze grating for it. Attach four bronze rings at its four corners. Install the grating halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. For carrying the altar, make poles from acacia wood. Overlay them with bronze. Insert the poles to the rings on the two sides of the altar. The altar must be hollow, made from planks. Build it just as you were shown on the mountain. There is a lot of detail given to this brazen altar. So there must be some significance For our lives when it comes to us being the temple. Would y'all like to know what the brazen altar was for? Is y'all okay? Y'all quiet. Okay, this this is good stuff. The brazen altar was where the people would come to sacrifice the lambs. They would shed the blood of the lamb because they were confronting their sin. Leviticus 1711. Throw it up there. For the life of the body is in what? It's blood. I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It's, it is the blood given in exchange for a life that makes purification possible. Hebrews 9.22, in fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood, for without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Everything that your body needs to live, everything that your spirit needs to live, everything that you need to live is in the sacrifice of blood. So when you walk into your courtyard with praise, the first thing they had to do, they had an awareness to confront the sins that they were carrying. And so many times in our life, we come to church and we pray and we get prayed for wanting more presence wanting more glory wanting big breakthrough wanting all the things but yet so many of us have failed to do the first thing that it, that was in the design they, there's no thanksgiving there's no praise and even so they are not confronting the thing that the blood paid for the blood paid for your sin and we've got to start treat we've got to stop treating sin as oh Jesus will forgive me no you be thankful that he forgave you, you praise your God and you confront your sin at the brazen altar. Jesus, here is my sin. Here's what you paid for. I need to get out of this. I know I'm skipping, but Romans uh, um, 8.1 So that there is no condemnation for those who belong in Christ Jesus. You know what the word brazen means? It doesn't only mean bronze. It means to come in boldness without shame. So Jesus Jesus says, come through me with thanksgiving. Enter in my courts with praise and boldly approach me with your sin because I have no condemnation for you. It's no longer, Jesus, I messed up. It's Jesus, you paid for this, here it is. Yet so many of us are sitting in this sin Because we're so shameful to say, Jesus, here it is. We have our heads down. We won't confront it. I'm just a horrible person. I just can't get through this. I just can't go through that. I guess this is just who I am. No, that's not who you are. Your spirit is who you are. And what's telling you that this is who you are is a soul being transformed inside of a body that contains the whole thing. And Jesus says, would you come to me with your head held high and start confronting your sin before you expect presence? You cannot expect presence if you have not confronted the thing that you're living in. There was a second thing, y'all okay? There was another thing they did with the lamb. Because God doesn't waste anything. Once they shed the blood of the lamb at the altar, you talk about how it was hollow and how all these things, you know what they did with the lamb? They burned it. Someone said they burned it. Read 1 Peter 4, chapter, verse 12. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that you're going through. As if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ and his sufferings. Why? so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. Jesus says, you want to get to your next level of glory? It's going to take confronting your sin with the blood and walking with your head up through the fiery trials. He says, Jesus, deliver me from this. Jesus says, You acting like you should be surprised that your vessel is being exposed to burning. I've got to let you be exposed to fire because it leads to the road of purification and transformation. Because what happens is we say, God, give me patience. But we don't like to go through the trial to help us learn patience. Not that God necessarily sends you bad things. I don't believe that. Every good is perfect. Every gift is good. Every gift is perfect. But he says, I am your father. I know what's best for you. And the way I designed my temple, I took care of the blood. Now you've got to walk through the burning." Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, great example of it. We're going to go in the fire, and we're going to go through the trial. But you know what? They weren't burned. Why weren't they burned? Because they praised God the entire time during the trial. And what we do is we recognize that we're out of court. We're the courtyard. This is the body. This is the vessel. And what happens is when the fiery trial comes, instead of entering the court with praise, instead of focusing on him, you get burned by it and say, God, where are you? And God says, don't be surprised you're going through the trials. The way you prevent burning is to fill your court with praise so that there's no room for the flame to get on you. man, y'all should be shouting right now. This is just too good. Why are you surprised? This is my design. I'll take care of the blood, you walk through the fire, and you're going to be transformed into a new level of glory. And finally, put that picture back up, Megan. After they came to this brazen altar, they enter the gates with thanksgiving. They're coming into the courts with praise. They deal with, the, with their sin, with the blood. They, they, they go through the burning process. They come to one more little thing. You see that little thing between the holy place and the brazen altar? It was called, it was called the bronze laver. The laver, it was a circular bolt. Placed between the altar and the holy place. Why was it placed between the altar and the holy place? Before the priests could get into the holy place, they had to get cleaned and purified from all the sacrifice and from all the burning. Because the outer core is exposed to all the elements of burning. The outer core is exposed to all the fiery trials of life. But where the presence is, you can't let it get there. Before you can ever get to presence, you've got to to take care of the courtyard. So they placed a circular bowl so that they could wash up and purify themselves after they sacrificed the lambs. Exodus 30 talks about it in verse 17. The Lord said to Moses, make a bronze wash basin with a bronze stand Place it between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Aaron and his sons will wash their hands and feet there. They must wash with water wherever they go into the tabernacle to appear before the Lord. And when they approach the altar to burn up their special gifts to the Lord, or they will die. They must always wash their hands and feet, or they will die. This is a permanent law for Aaron and his descendants to be served from generation to generation. Remember, Aaron was one of the priests that was consecrated to go into the holy place. He says, you you cannot enter into my presence. And remember, this level of presence was thick. He says, you can't get here until you're purified. Well, Kyle, I want to wash in the Laverne. How do I get purified? I mean, I mean, if you want, like, the full presence of God in your life, can you just shout amen? amen. Like, how, how do I get purified? Where is this live there? Where do I get to wash up? Look at Ephesians 5, 25. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. How did he love us? He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the blood. Nope. washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot, without a wrinkle, without a blemish. Instead, she'll be holy and without fault. Your core is exposed to every spot, wrinkle, and blemish. And God says... After you dealt with your sin, when you go through trials, when you praise me, I want to clean you up and purify you so that you can enter in. And the way I'm going to do it is simply with my word. You see, there's so many times like, when, you know, churches open up an altar call, and, and that's good, I have nothing wrong with altar calls. But think about what's happening. You come to an altar call because you want to be purified of your stuff. But the prayer is not going to purify you by itself. It's the word that you are dipping yourself into. Washing up with. And there's something interesting about this levir that we see in Exodus 38 verse 8. It says... Bezalel made the bronze washbasin and its bronze stand from bronze mirrors. And the mirrors were donated by the women who served at the entrance of the tabernacle. So the lovare was a circular bowl made from mirrors. And what we have now, we are told you are to be washed in the Word. Look at James chapter 1, verse 23. If you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a what? A mirror. You see yourself. You walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, what's the perfect law? Word of God. If you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, God's going to bless you for doing it. You have a picture of lever made for cleansing and purification, made with mirrors. And we're taught in the New Testament, my word is the thing that cleanses you. And if you look at my word and don't do anything with it, it's as if you look into the mirror of the lever. And walked away as if nothing ever happened we can pray all day we can seek godly counsel all day we can come to church every week and get our praise on, go out and eat afterwards have good family and I talk all the time about how the church was a family But what God was showing me out of this whole thing with the courtyard and what we're exposed to is we've got to make sure what we're building the family around. Because there's tons of families. There's families all, all, there's families all around that do horrible things. There's cults. And they're all families. So what is this family? What is this worshiping church family supposed to look like? It's a family who's unified in one thing. We want to get to a place where there's no more room for us and only God. And before we can even touch that, we've got to enter his gate with thanksgiving, fill our courts with praise, confront our sin. Praise God through fire and trials and be cleansed by washing our dying filthy vessels with the Word of God. And when you sacrifice your body, your outer court, to live according to the perfect law and the perfect Word, Jesus the way and the truth will lead you to life. A life that's no longer concerned about living according to the needs of your courtyard, but rather fitting your courtyard to the needs of the presence of God. See, there's one thing that we have to understand. And it's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We received all this by coming and knowing him. The one who called us to himself by the means of marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you To share his divine nature and escape the world's corruptions caused by human desires. God says, I know what you're in, I know what you're exposed to, and I know how weak your vessel is now that sin has entered the world. So I'm going to give you a design of an entrance, a court, a holy place, a most holy place, the presence of God. Cloud by day, fire by night. I'm going to show you the altar. I'm going to show you everything you need so that when I make a way and make you the temple, you can make sure that your temple is filled with praise, that your temple is filled with confronting your sin, that you are no longer okay with staying in the same spot, that you want to be changed, that you want to be transformed, that you want to go from glory to glory to glory. You should not ever be satisfied with who You are in the idea of hosting the presence of God. Your satisfaction is to simply be, I'm pursuing. I'm seeking. So that every day and every conversation, everything you read, everything you listen to, every relationship you have, every conversation you have, everything is revealing the glory of God. That people at your workplace are starting to notice a change in your language. They're starting to notice a change in your presence when you walk in the room they're starting to notice that there's something different about you. Because it's not just I believe in God. It's that the glory of the Lord is on you. It's in you. It's flowing out of you. They're seeing God in you and they don't even know what to call it. There's so many organizations that teach evangelism tools. Can I just be honest with you? The only evangelism tool you need is for people to see something different that they can't quite understand. And you're so different that they say, I want what you got. What did you do? I entered the gate with thanksgiving. I fill my court with praise. I confront my stuff. I expect and welcome the fire of trials. I purify myself by the word and I no longer live according to what my worldly vessel wants because I am obsessed with being a temple to house his presence. And that is the worshiping church. Well, stand. if that word spoke to you, can you just give God some praise tonight?